today, I want to talk more about how faith is a rest. This series on persistent faith, I want to encourage you to get online, get on the app and listen to this, outline this. This is the third week that we've been talking about this. This is so very important because the just live by faith. If you're not living by faith, you're not in faith and you're not, you're not even, I mean, although God's in your life, you have, you're, you're living on your own. He's not able to get anything over to you. You don't know who you are. And I got to tell you, think about God. While you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins, lost forever, every one of us would be born on this earth, live under the tyranny of Satan, spiritually dead, separated from God, with no way to reach out to him. And then we would die and be eternally separated from him in hell forever because of sin. That was, that was our road. The Greek words used to describe that is locked in. We were locked into that. But while we were dead in trespasses and sins, God loved us so much in that state that he sent his son. And his son bore every one of our sins in his body on the cross. Every one of them. That means every one I've ever committed, every one I will ever commit. Every one of them were condemned in the body. Once and for all, the God, the judge of the whole earth, he condemned all of that sin. And the blood of Jesus, when it was poured on that mercy seat in heaven, washed it all away. Didn't cover it, washed it away. You know, for years I would hear things like, when God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. He wears rose-colored glasses and sees you in Christ. He doesn't see you in sin. But you need to know today why he really doesn't see you in sin. Because it's already been done away with. Paul said this in Romans. He said, the sin that I commit, it's no longer I that I'm doing it, but it's the sin that dwells in my flesh, in this nature. So now my spirit can't sin, but I allow, if I get my eyes off Jesus, if he's not first, I allow my flesh to do this, and it opens up a door for the enemy to come steal, kill, and destroy. But I don't have to. The Bible says I'm dead to sin. You know, there's this war going on within you. That's a hard message to swallow. But it's the gospel of grace and we have to preach it. Because until you realize and get a revelation that he loved you so much and his work was finished, Jesus finished it. It was enough. You're accepted now. You're brand new. The Bible says whoever's born again Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. You're a new creature in Christ. And when you get a revelation of that, it'll birth a righteousness consciousness in you that will enable you now to walk holy before him and walk free from sin. Because if you keep living thinking you're just this old sinner saved by grace, that sin consciousness and the shame and guilt and condemnation of that sin 
the pride of that sin will continually drag you back into it. So when we talk about persistent faith and faith is a rest, the foundation of all of this is that God loves you. Faith works by love. Your tank needs to be full of the revelation that God loves you. So, so let's talk about this a little bit. I want you to go back to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. You guys ready? This will set you free. Man, the enemy lies to you thinking he'll tell you you're not enough. You'll never fulfill what, what's in your heart to do. And they're all, it's all lies. It's all lies. <clears throat> in Isaiah 26, chapter 26, verse 3, we read this last week. It's, the Word of God says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. See, as I keep my mind fixed on God... God keeps me in perfect peace. If my mind starts looking at other stuff, peace won't be there. Does that make sense? It says here, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Why is our mind able to be fixed on God? Because... He trusts in thee. See, I'm able to keep my mind fixed on God because I trust him. And then it says in verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That means everlasting refuge. We'll trust in the Lord forever. But here's the thing. You don't trust in someone that you don't know. And there's so many Christians, so many Christians that can quote Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. Man, they even, they're very even mature. They even go into verse 25, you know. But, but they don't walk by faith. And it's because they don't trust. And they don't trust because they don't know. And the reason why they don't trust is because their mind is not stayed on him. The Bible identifies trusting God as keeping your mind on him. Keeping it on him. 24-7. I keep it on him. Now that'll, now that'll make you, you're like, yeah, well, pastor, you only work twice a week. So that's easy for you. Right? No, no, no. No, for all of us. Listen, when I was working 80 to 100 hours a week, which sometimes I, I still think I'm there, but that's okay. I don't really call this work. But um, you, you can grow spiritually. To be honest with you, you'll be a lot more productive at work if you keep your eyes on him. Because you'll stop thinking just positively. You'll start thinking unlimited. And so... Jump over to James chapter 1. We talked about this in depth in an earlier lesson. But it says the same thing. I want you to see this. Trusting God is keeping your mind on him. James calls it being a doer of the word. 
And you remember we really broke this down. We won't do that today because we want to get to some other things. But in James 1.22, it says this, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's not listening listener only. Deceiving your own selves. Be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving your own self. Satan's not deceiving you. You're deceiving yourself. This word deceiving, as we said before in the Greek, we broke this down. It literally means to exercise one's reason. It means to reason falsely, incorrectly, or to be misled. If you just hear the word, if you just listen to it, and you're not a doer of it, you'll be misled. You'll mislead yourself. Okay, we understand that, Tony. Okay, great. Then he goes on, for if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, now he's going to tell us what a hearer looks like. He's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. In the King James, that says glass. In the Greek, it's a mirror. Makes more sense for us. The doer or a hearer of a word is like a man beholding his face in a mirror. He beholds himself and then he goes his way. You did that this morning. You beheld yourself in a mirror, right? You looked, you put makeup on for guys, you know, you brushed your teeth, you shaved or whatever. But then you went your way. He beholds himself and then he goes his way and right away, straightway, forgets what manner of man he was. So this is a picture of a man who looks at the word and then decides to go his way and he forgets who he is. There's no peace because his mind is no longer fixed on the Lord. He's going his way now. He's taking his eyes off God. But it says in verse 25, but whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty, God's word, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed, or he'll be blessed in his doing. So the doer of the word keeps his eyes on the word. So as he walks through his life, I don't know if it's, if it's a scripture in his pocket that he speaks over his life all day. I don't know if it's something where just, you see, here's the cool thing. You have the Holy Spirit. He's your, he's your guide. He's your trainer. He'll tell you exactly what scripture you need to be speaking all the time. And as you go through your day, as you're in your car, whatever, you're just, Father, I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If I feel weak, Father, I thank you that I'm strong in the Lord, that you're quickening my mortal body. What am I doing? I'm a doer of the word. I'm keeping my eyes on the word, and I'll be blessed in my doing. But see, if I take my eyes off, now no peace. I'm going to forget who I am. I'll forget that I'm, I, my Father always causes me to triumph. I'll forget that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll forget that the Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'll forget all these things simply because I took my eyes off Jesus. We see a perfect picture of this when Peter got out of the boat. He gets out of the boat. He's going to Jesus. But the minute he starts looking at his circumstances, he begins to sink. It's the same thing you and I live in right now. Don't, don't you see that? Can you guys see that? This is huge. 
We're talking about walking by faith. Now in John's gospel, in John 8, you could turn there in verse 31 and verse 32. John chapter 8, verse 31 and verse 32, he calls the same thing continuing in the word. So whether you could call it being a doer of the word, whether you call it continuing in the word, whether you call it keeping my mind stayed on him, it's all the same thing. Do you see that? Let's look at this. Then said Jesus, John 8, 31, to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. A disciple is a follower. A follower. See, we have this whole thing messed up. In, in the early church, you'd have a believer. This is a person who just got saved. And then as they decided to continue in the word and, and, and do the word of God, they would begin to know the truth. The truth would make them free. They would be called disciples. But boy, if they kept going and all of a sudden now, the same things that were manifesting in Jesus' life were manifesting in their life, they were called Christians. It's not like that anymore. Why are you a Christian? Well, I'm born, I'm an American. Come on, preach it. Right? They might not even be saved, and they might call themselves a Christian now. But back then, no, a Christian was somebody who was manifesting the God life, a mature believer. It's a little different. But don't worry about that. That's all coming back around in a big way. Because, boy, I'm telling you guys, get ready. If you'll just be willing and obedient, you're going to do exploits on this earth for God. You are. You and I are. Because we're living at the end of this age. Hallelujah. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice, you don't have to get yourself free. The truth, or what's the truth? Well, if you look a few chapters later in the Gospel of John, John 17, what, what did, what did, what did uh, John say, John's Gospel? Thy word is truth. So you could read it this way. If you continue on my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and then you'll know the word, and the word will make you free. And then he, it jumps down in verse 36, and it says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, look at what it says, you shall be free indeed. Man, I'm choosing, I'm going to continue in the Word. I'm going to be a doer of the Word. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on Him. Why? Because the Bible said, Jesus said, the just shall live by faith. That's in the commanded text. God expects you to walk by faith. But he doesn't expect you to walk by faith in your own strength. That's right. He doesn't expect you to do anything in your own strength or power. Right. He expects you to do everything with him. It's really awesome. It's really awesome. So now, let's look at this again. Same thing. Go to Mark chapter 4 in verse 20. Parable of the sower. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. This parable is a foundational parable. Jesus said if you don't understand this parable, you'll not be able to understand any of them. 
the, the key to the kingdom of God is found in this parable. And the key is this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the parable talks about how that the soil is the soil of a man's heart. And your heart can be different types of soil. It could be wayside ground, it could be stony ground, it could be thorny ground, or it could be good ground. But out of those four types of ground, only one type of ground produced anything, produced a harvest. Oh, there's a lot of people that are wayside ground. Why? Because they're living for themselves. Or they're, thorn, or they're thorny ground, thorny ground especially. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire just for other things. You know, there's just a, they say the average Christian goes to church 1.5 times a month. I wonder, how, I wonder how much they read their Bible. When their God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially when you see the end in these times we're living in. The end times started 2,000 years ago. We're at the last of them. I don't know if you know this, but if you want to read and study Ezekiel 38, this Ezekiel 38 conflict with the Muslim Confederation of Nations who will come together and a battle, they'll come against Israel. That happens right before the, or right after the rapture of the church. Every one of those countries in perfect, yeah, in perfect alignment are there right now in Israel. Right now. It's, it's, it's we're living, we're living at the end of the age. But here's the thing, forget all that. Forget all that. I was 25 years old. I blinked, and then I'm now I'm 56. I'll blink again if the Lord tarries, and I'll be 75. Come on. I'll blink again, and I'll probably be in heaven. Hello. Right? I mean, it goes so fast. Yes, and God has a plan for your life. Oh, and then he wants you to fulfill it, so hear me. As you're sitting here right now, don't let anything distract you. Don't let your life, don't let your past, don't let any circumstance in your life distract you from hearing the fact that God has a plan for you and he will help you walk it out. This is so very, very important because you are, if you know the Lord, you're a world overcomer. And you gotta know he's pleased with you today. He's pleased with you. He's not mad. He looks at you with all the belief that you're going to finish strong. So let's keep going with this. It says, Mark chapter 4, verse 20, And these are they which are sown on good ground. Now this is what the definition of good ground is. Such as hear the word and receive it. Now, the word receive it is a little vague in the King James, but if you look at the Greek word for receive, it literally means to take it up and continue in it. So like this is, this is good ground. You're reading your Bible. You're getting ready for your day. You're reading the word and a scripture jumps out at you. Or you're sitting here in church and one of these scriptures just jump out at you. And what you do, you take that and you write that on a little three by five card. And you start speaking it over your life. You carry it with you. And every time you think about it, what you're doing, you're taking it up and you're, you're continuing in it. 
It says this ground will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. So think about this. Notice it's not you that's producing the fruit. It's the word of God. So as you continue to look at him and keep your mind on him, who is the word, as you become a doer of the word by never letting your eyes off the word, as you continue in the word by never letting it go, you take it up and you walk it out. Come on. Now the word will make you free right. in every area of your life. And he'll go one area by one area by one area by one area. And will, will your flesh be a problem? Yeah, your flesh is only going to be a problem while you're living in it. So, you know, this is why Paul said I had to beat my flesh black and blue continually. Because the, the law, the, this law of sin and death that's in my flesh wars not against my spirit. It wars against the law of my mind. The law of my mind is this, is spelled out in Scripture. As I deposit the word in my heart, it, it comes and it renews my mind and changes my behavior. Well, what happens is my nature and my flesh will want to do the wrong thing, and I've got to renew my mind so that my mind can win that battle and say no, because my spirit, so now all of a sudden, now my spirit, who is submitted to the Holy Spirit, of God is now in control and it's telling my mind what it's going to think and it's telling my body what it's going to do and it keeps sin out of my life so that the word can go out and do the work and now what's on the inside starts showing on the outside and instead of just reading my God will supply all my needs now you're seeing on the outside that all my needs are met now you're seeing on the outside that I can do all things through Christ. And if you walk with me, you'll see me get in situations where all of a sudden I'm facing Goliath. Or all of a sudden I am in a fiery furnace, but you'll see me come out the other end not even touched. Why? Because the Word is working. The Word makes me free. Who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. Developing trust, it happens over time as you've made a choice to start the process. See, your confidence, your trust, your faith, it grows as you walk out God's plan for your life. It's developed as you get to know the Lord. It's developed as you get to know the Lord. This scripture has been going off in me for years. It's John 17, 3. It's such a foundational scripture. And this is life eternal. What is life eternal? That they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Right. Eternal life is knowing him. Because when you know him, you know the truth. And so now he, or the truth, makes you free. And when you're free, guess what? You're at rest. You're not, at, you're not free from problems. You're free in them. You're not free from adverse circumstances. You're free in them. You're at peace in them. Because you already know you all, your father always causes you to triumph. So not only, not only is this attack, not, it's not, I'm not thinking about if I'm going to win or not. No, not if I'm walking by faith. I'm fully persuaded. I've already won. I just wonder how far this is going to launch me. 
how far ahead this is going to launch me into my future. That's the way it is when you walk with the Lord. So the rest, now let's start talking about this rest. The rest that we're talking about is where you cease from your own works. We said this earlier. God rested after the six days of creation, not because he was tired, but because he was finished. When we trust God, we will say, it is finished, and then we'll rest. You have sickness in your body? It is finished. What do you mean by that? By his stripes, I was healed. Isaiah 53. Psalm 107, 20. He sent his word and healed me. Psalm 103. I mean, we could go hundreds of scriptures. Heals all of my diseases. Matthew 8. He himself carried my sickness. And, my, and he, you know, he bore my sickness and carried my pain. Galatians 3.13. He redeemed me from the curse of the law, which includes all sickness and all disease, by being made a curse for me. See, over and over again, I realize these things. I say, when I, when I, I don't deny it. I don't, we're, not, we're not Christian scientists. We don't deny circumstances. We don't deny sickness and disease. Faith denies its right to stay in my life and in my body because Jesus already bore it. Poverty and lack can't stay in my life because Jesus already bore it. Spiritual death has no place in me because he, was, he took on my sin so that I could be made his righteousness. And we said this, we're not talking about resting from activity, we're talking about resting in activity. We rest in work. God wants you resting while you're at work. Oh, this world system, man, it'll, it'll, it'll chew you up and spit you out if you let it. But you're a child of God and you have authority over all that. You don't have to let it. You can rest at work and in work. God created us to operate out of rest. We said this last week. I want to say this again. He's created us to operate out of rest, not stress, toil, and worry. Our bodies aren't even made to handle that. But here's the key. If you don't hear the gospel of grace, it's impossible for you to enter into rest. You have to hear it. If you don't hear the gospel of grace, you're just going to go from one struggle to another trying to perform, trying to be good enough, trying to get something to happen, hoping something will work out. And that's not how we're to live. That, there's no faith in that. So now today, I want to break this down. So go to Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to break Hebrews chapter 4 down a little bit. I can't wait. The Lord has released me to teach. I know it's coming soon to teach a verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of Hebrews. So I don't know where I'll do that at, uh, but it's going to be pretty awesome. It's a foundational book. We're going to look at chapter 4 a little bit today. Verse 1 of chapter 4 of Hebrews. It starts out by saying this, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us 
of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now that's a little vague. Let us therefore fear. Well, wait a minute. I thought you said that we don't have a spirit of fear. So we got to look at the Greek word to really break this down. This word fear, this word that was translated fear, the Greek word means to be cautious or to be aware or to be diligent. So literally you could read it, let us therefore be cautious, let's be aware and let's be diligent lest the promise being left us of, oh, that's so good, Pastor, you got to say that again. Okay, I will. So let us therefore be cautious, be aware and be diligent lest the promise being left us of entering his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Say this after me. I'm not going to come short of it. Amen. So this is, this is a powerful passage of scripture. Verse 2 says this, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. The them it's talking about are the children of Israel. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the gospel, this Greek word gospel, it's a word that in Paul's day, I, I believe Paul's the author of Hebrews, but it doesn't really matter. Really, the Holy Spirit's the author. But in the Greek, in the Greek language, the word gospel was not ever, it was hardly ever used because it meant something, something that was so good, news that was so good, it was just too good to be true. And that's the gospel of grace. But it said it didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith. So we have a, you know, you've seen this before. It's a pastoral toy. Notice I'm not a cooker, so I'm, I'm doing it like this, right? If I, if I was a chef, I'd probably, but I'm a pastor, so I do this. So what you do is you hear the gospel. The gospel of grace. What is that? That's the gospel of the finished work of Christ. So part of this gospel is Jesus himself. Jesus himself, Ed, bore your sickness and carried your pain. So you don't have to. So if Ed will hear that and then mix it with faith. Because see, when he hears it, faith comes. But that's not enough now he's got to mix it. So now as he goes, wow. Father, I thank you. I'm mixing it now. Father, I thank you that Jesus himself bore my sickness. He carried my pain. And by his stripes, I am healed. Father, I thank you that I'm not going to ever forget your benefits. For it's written in Psalm 103, you heal all of my diseases. See, I'm, what am I doing? I'm mixing faith, which is birthed just by simply hearing the word, but I got to mix it. What, see, if the children of Israel would have walked around the wilderness saying, you know what? 
Isn't it going to be awesome? God's already given us this land. Oh yeah, there's cities that are bigger than, people that are bigger than us, walled cities that are greater than us, but God's already given it to us and the battle's his, it's not ours. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Man, when I get over there and I get my inheritance, I'm going to start this business or I'm going to do this. What, instead, what did they do? They mixed what they heard with something else. So they mixed it with, we're going to die. There's, there's people greater than us. There's walled cities. We'll get over there and we'll die. We need to go back to Egypt. It says that they didn't enter in. So it says we need to be what? Cautious, aware, and diligent. Lest a promise being left of us of entering his rest, we fall short. See, what is the rest? Remember we read it last week? We're going to dwell in cities that we didn't build. I'm going to live in houses that I didn't build. I'm going to have vineyards that I didn't plant. I'm going to, I'm going to have wonderful water to drink out of a well that I didn't have to dig. I'm going to have healing that I didn't have to work for. I'm going to have all of my needs met without toil. I could simply rest. I always can be involved in my church and fulfill the ministry that God has for me outside the church and do everything in this earth that I'm called to do because I don't have to strive to just be totally consumed with me. Oh, I hope I can get my needs met. I hope I can do this. And I hope I, 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 I get rid of the I because now, I, my eyes are on him and because my eyes are on him I think only of him and others and now as I sow into everybody else's life he harvests into mine Don't hold back. and all of a sudden a house I'm living in is, is beyond what I would have ever thought I would have for myself and then like Nick and Esther who are living in South Africa and all of a sudden God goes, hey, this house that you own outright supernaturally, I want you to give it away. And I want you to go to America. Now they owned it outright. So they gave it away. And they came to America with no money to pursue a, a, a position of ministry. And through a series of events... When they had literally, they're living in a hotel, they're driving a rental car, they're out of money. A minister friend of them said, hey, I'm starting a church in, in, in Tampa, I, I want you to come pastor it. And they went there, and they started doing ministry, and then a lady in the church gave them a big house. And you think, wow, well they must be able, they're going to be there forever. No, no, no. See, this is the way God works, so... So they, God had them sow a house so that they could be given a bigger one. Because they need to be given a bigger one so that they can sell it and then go to Hawaii and be able to buy a house and not have a house payment because it's going to take some years to get the church going and they're not going to be able to have a mortgage. So they live in a neighborhood where people have houses that are in the millions. If you look out the back of their house, literally it's the ocean. And it's these beautiful mountains on Oahu. It's where they filmed Jurassic World, but they don't have the dinosaurs there. 
although they saw some, you know, when they were making the movie. But just a beautiful ocean view. And, and guess what part of this house is there's another house attached to it. So now their daughter and her husband and family can live there too. God has a plan. See, he is Jehovah Jireh in your life. So don't not tithe. Don't not give offerings. Don't not empty your bank account if God tells you to, because he's never trying to get money away from you. He's trying to get it to you. But you'll never be able to see that if you're not free and if you're not at rest, if you're always striving. You'll start hanging on to what you have, and that's the easiest way to lose it. But if you live your life, if you live your life like this, God, everything I have is yours. It's, you can do with it whatever you want. And, and I know you're good. I know my past increase. You tell me to give something away? Okay. But you'll never be able to do that if you're not at rest. You'll never be able to see the potential that is in you unless you're at rest. It said, verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So the gospel, the gospel is the grace of God. It is the finished work of Christ. How do we know the gospel is a gospel of grace? I'm so glad you asked that. So I, you don't have to turn there, but in your notes, uh, just put down Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. You want to finish your course with joy? You have to get to a place where you're like, nothing that's in my life that's happening to me moves me. And I do not count my life dear to myself. I do realize my life is dear to others, but I don't count it dear to myself. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. It's the gospel of the grace of God. To preach the gospel, I have to preach what Paul preached. Another scripture that, that really seals this is Galatians chapter 1. You can just put this in your notes. We're going to look at verse 6 and 7. Paul said this in writing to the Galatians. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul's saying, I'm marveling that the God who called you into the grace of Christ, you're deciding to go into another gospel. But then he says this, which is not another, because there is not another gospel. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Notice it doesn't say the gospels. It says the gospel, one gospel. Right. Well, no, 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 there's four. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, no, there's one told four different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
The gospel of Christ. Well, you mean the gospel of Jesus. No, I mean the gospel of Christ. It's the gospel of the anointed one and his anointing. There's not a gospel of healing and a gospel of prosperity, a gospel of deliverance, a gospel of peace, a gospel of joy, a gospel of wholeness. There's not a gospel of each of those. All those are included in the gospel of Christ. All the blessings of God came as a result of grace. The grace of God provided all these things for us. It's the gospel of grace. All the blessings came as a result of his grace, of his unmerited favor, of him doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. And here's the thing. Power, the power of God flows out of his grace. It flows out of it. The power of God to heal you, to set your life back in order, to deliver you, to eradicate lies, all that stuff flows out of his grace. Faith comes when you hear God's word. But then you mix faith with the word that you've heard by speaking it. And then that'll take you from just being a hearer to being a doer now where you act on it and you'll always get the result. Always. When you act on your faith, you get the results. To walk in the blessings of God, this is how it works. You have to hear the word. And when you hear it, you got to mix the word by speaking it. And then all of a sudden, it'll show you what to do. The word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And as you act on the word of God, the power of God comes. It comes out of what he's provided from you by the grace of God, and it changes your situation. Now, here's the reason why some get it and some don't. This is a very, very important thing for you to know. Why do some walk in the blessing of God and some never seem to? You cannot question God's word and enter into his rest. It's impossible. Why? Because if you're questioning God's word, it's impossible because you're mixing the wrong thing so it's impossible you have to mix faith with God's word but if you're questioning God's word you can't mix faith with God's word you'll be mixing you'll be mixing your natural human faith and belief system with something that's wrong something that will actually produce death and what happens is, see, you're mixing, so that means I'm speaking. And life and death is in the power or the direction of your tongue. That's Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21. So what happens is if I'm speaking the wrong thing, it'll take me off in a wrong direction, and I'll be places that God never wanted me to be. But it starts like this. You know, the enemy throws thoughts. Well, I wonder why your body's not getting better. And then pretty soon... Like a parrot, because you've got your eyes off the word, you start saying, I wonder why this is not happening for me. Right? Have you ever seen a Star Wars movie? You know, the Jedi Knight whispers something and then they say something? We could laugh at that. We think, geez, what an idiot. That's exactly right. I've been an idiot. Satan says, Tony, you're worthless. And I've walked around saying, yeah, the earth would be a better place if I wasn't on it. I'm worthless. And God's up there going, he's going to get it right? 
Now I walk around saying I'm more than a conqueror. I'm accepted in the beloved. Ye are of God. I'm of God. I'm his child. He loves me. Right? So this is how it works, guys. Cooking class today. <laughs> Do you have confidence in God's ability to get the job done for you? Do you? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. That means that he'll complete it and he'll finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. You're going to finish strong if you'll make a choice to put him first. Every problem in the church today is because people are living with them first. And they're allowing their feelings to lead them instead of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And there's no life in it. This is so very important. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me finish with verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, it says, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. I want, I want you to see the first part of this verse. We which have believed do enter into rest. I can judge my beliefs by whether or not I'm at rest. If I'm believing the right thing, I'll be at rest. Believing will cause me to enter into his rest. The highest level of faith is rest. It's where I realize and I'm fully persuaded that what God said is true. And now I'm not moved by what I'm in, not moved by what I see. I'm fully persuaded. I already have my answer. I already have the victory. Now all that's left for me to do is to do this and to worship. Amen. That's where God wants you to live. And here's the thing. You could live there. You could live there starting today. The Holy Spirit leads you into it. You, can, you don't have to figure this out yourself. This is a place of being fully persuaded that what God said he provided for you he will bring to pass. Hallelujah. What do I mean? I am resting in the finished work of Christ. When I am at rest, I am completely positioned to receive God's best. When I am at rest, the things that God has promised me will always manifest. Always. Always. This is what God wants for you. You're not, you're not going to rest in something that you don't have confidence in. And you can never receive the finished work of Christ if you're in worry, anxiety, stress, anything like that. Amen?